This is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW. And just a few minutes after 4 o'clock, ready to roll here on another edition of the Employment Hour. Leah Moody, of course, is on the other side of that microphone answering all your questions here tonight. Yeah, the phone lines are open, 604-280-9898 or star 9898 on your cell. Anytime you want to email help at employmenthour.com, and we'll talk about it uh, in length, uh, to great, greater length later on tonight. That would be the severance pay calculator. Find out exactly what you're owed as far as severance is concerned, severancepaycalculator.com. Leah, welcome back, kiddo, and we are Thank ready you. for another night. And uh, we always start with a little feature we call the week that was, some stuff that's come across your desk that you've been working on, some stories that reflect exactly uh, what it is and what we try to enlighten people with uh, each week here on the show. So what do you got going on this week? Yeah, so uh, to get us warmed up, um, I had a lot of questions this week about overtime. And and a meeting with one particular gentleman really drove home for me how important it is to inform people about their rights with respect to overtime. I honestly can't tell you, John, how many times I've spoken to an employee who has said some version of, oh, well, I work overtime, but I don't get paid for it, yeah. um, very casually. And, and this is shocking to me as an employment lawyer and as an employee myself, because overlooking a failure to pay overtime is essentially the same thing as working for free. That's what you're doing when you're not insisting upon your right to be paid for overtime. You are working for free. So, I mean, unless you're in a volunteer position or are independently wealthy, I would really strongly recommend that you take the steps needed to ensure that you're being compensated for the work that you're performing. So what are those steps? First things first, unless you are a management employee or part of a union, you are entitled to overtime. There are a few other narrow exceptions uh, and some industries like um, oil and gas farming, uh, trucking transportation, Mm -hmm. they have specific rules as to how overtime is calculated for that industry. But the entitlement is still there. And this includes employees who are both paid by the hour and paid an annual salary. So the, the basic rule is this in BC. If you work more than eight hours in a day, you must be paid time and a half. If you work more than 40 hours in a week, you must be paid time and a half. And actually, if you work more than 12 hours in a day, you are entitled to double time for every hour worked in excess of those 12 hours. But the the baseline is simple. More than eight hours in a day or 40 hours in a week entitles you to overtime pay. So if you've been working more than eight hours in a day or 40 hours in a week and you haven't been paid for overtime, your very first step as an employee should be to put forward a written request to your employer, to the company for that pay. It doesn't have to be formal. It doesn't have to be a demand. You don't have to make threats. An email is fine, but that written request must be made. If you're then ignored or if the company refuses to pay, you can then file a complaint with the Employment Standards Branch. Uh, And an Employment Standards Officer will generally try to do everything they can to resolve the complaint without going to a hearing. They recognize that most people are making this complaint when they're still employed. Um, and, and this is particularly the case when it's as straightforward as a claim for overtime hours. If you've got the proof, it really should be a straightforward issue. So, so a complaint like this should not be, and usually isn't, particularly drawn out or antagonistic. The only catch here is that you can only go back six months with the, with the Ministry of Labor or the Employment Standards Branch. And, and I've spoken to a truly staggering number of individuals 
who haven't been paid overtime spanning back years. And unfortunately for individuals in this position, there, there are two conditions for recovering anything beyond that six-month period. Number one, you can only ever go back two years. That's, that's the max. So at, at this point, overtime claims from 2015 are, are lost. But number two, and this is where, unfortunately, most claims die on the vine here, you have to have a contractual entitlement to overtime pay. You, you have to have, either have a contract that says that you're entitled to overtime or a practice that you can point to to say overtime is generally paid to you, which would then establish an implied contractual entitlement to overtime pay. Without this, your only recourse is through the Employment Standards Branch, where you can only go back six months. So I really highly recommend that if, if you're being paid overtime, or you know, unless you're in one of those narrow exceptions where you're not entitled to overtime, you get it in writing. So that in the event that there's any unpaid claim, you're not limited to the six months that the Employment Standards Branch can collect for you. You can hire a lawyer and you can go back as long as two years. But this is one of those rare occasions where you would, and it is safe to go um, and contact the employment uh, standards branch, whereas severance, no, don't do that. Contact a lawyer because they can't help you in that regard. But this, overtime, stuff like that, they're okay to contact, and then follow up if you need to with a lawyer like yourself. Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, discrete issues uh, where you're still employed and you want to handle it internally and perhaps without hiring a right. lawyer, you know, like things like overtime pay, vacation pay, unpaid wages, things like that. I mean, that's all done appropriately through the Employment Standards Branch. But I would say that for things like termination pay, although you can go through the Employment Standards Branch, you're only ever going to get your minimum entitlements. And there's no duty to inform uh, employees who make a complaint through the Employment Standards Branch that they are, in fact, entitled to more, and in many cases, a lot more. <laughs> so uh, yeah. definitely, if we're talking about severance, please uh, contact a lawyer. What else you got going on? So the second situation I want to discuss, uh, again, more so just a, a general topic, because when I was thinking about how often overtime came up, I was thinking, what, what comes up even more than overtime? And that is temporary layoffs. Uh, uh, you know, yes. Probably the only thing that comes up more than that is just straight up severance and termination. Temporary layoffs come up all the time. And the reason why I make a distinction between temporary layoffs and termination is because those terms are conflated all the time. When I say layoff, I don't mean a permanent termination of employment, even though a lot of people say layoff colloquially. I mean the situation where an employer says to an employee, look, uh, it's winter, times are tough, business is slow, economy's dying, we're going to have to temporarily lay you off, but we'll recall you back to work when things improve. Many employees, and, and actually many companies, employers for that matter, think that this is legal and allowed, and, and sometimes perhaps even think makes sense. If a company is going through a difficult financial time but doesn't want to terminate you, why not just place you on a temporary layoff? But companies do not have the inherent right to lay, to lay you off unless you've agreed to it. So if you have not agreed to it, either by way of a contract, an agreement that says that they can lay you off, or importantly, by way of a history of previous layoffs, then a company cannot put you on a temporary layoff, no matter what the reason may be, no matter how sympathetic. And if they lay you off without that right to do so, so without a contract and without that history of prior layoffs, then they've constructively terminated your employment and you are entitled to severance. Our courts have universally agreed that an employer cannot just decide to send you home without pay or without work. This is not even a point that's up for debate between counsel anymore. It's just something that's, that's extremely evident and clear. 
So when a company decides to send you home without pay, that decision constitutes a termination Mm -hmm. in, in law. But the reason why this keeps happening is because, honestly, I don't think really anyone seems to know any better, which is one of the reasons why I wanted to talk about it today. There's this misconception that because the Employment Standards Act sets out the framework for a layoff to occur, with, to occur within, that they must be allowed. But right. this framework only exists to set the rules for a right that the employer has to clearly establish by way of a contract. It doesn't grant the right in and of itself. So I find that in, in many cases, all that it takes to correct the situation is uh, a letter or two, a couple of chats, you know, some informed Google searches on the company's part. And then, you know, the employee gets the severance that they're entitled to or they're immediately invited back to work with back pay for the time that they were off. You know, you mentioned about the history of it, and that's where you really got to tread lightly as an employee because once you crack that door open a bit, they're going to kick it right open. And once they've done it once, they can do it again, and now it's too late to do anything about it. Now you've got layoffs under your belt, right? Yeah, and this is the, this is the upsetting thing about the temporary yeah. layoff situation is that I, I think that this is one of those rare occasions. I mean, we're going to be talking in a little bit about how you can negotiate your own severance, which kind of sounds like I'm talking myself out of work. But this is this is one of those rare situations where um, y- you need an employment lawyer if, if you've been laid off. Um, many employees don't seek employment counsel because they don't want to rock the boat and they and right. they just want their jobs back, which many do end up getting. But the problem is that if you don't protect your rights on a recall, you could be opening yourself up to a cycle of layoffs in the future, just layoff after layoff after layoff. So what I mean by that is that if you don't accept the recall uh, without condition and you return to work, your actions, as you said, John, could be legally construed as an acceptance of those layoffs as a term of your employment, meaning that in another seven weeks after that recall, they can just lay you off again for another 13 weeks. And then again and again and again until you're so frustrated that you quit and then you don't get anything. And and I'm not saying this to be dramatic. I've seen it so many times. So even if you just want to lay low and wait for that recall, it's a smart idea to have a lawyer just armchair quarterback this for you so that you can ensure that you're protected going forward. If this is confusing, any other questions tonight, no problem. Phone lines are wide open. The number is 604-280-9898 or star 9898 on your cell. We'll get to the severance pay calculator and the uh, the topic of negotiating severance on your own. These are murky waters, and we'll tackle that after we take a short break right here on the Employment Hour. Right here, 980 CKNW. And back for lots more. Plenty of time for you to call in, have your questions answered. 604-280-9898 or star 9898 on your cell. Help at employmenthour.com. Liam Moody, of course, taking the show tonight and handling all of your phone calls. And we'll get to those right away. Michael, good evening. How are you? Yeah, how are you doing? Good, pal. Um, what's, uh, what's going yeah. on with you? Yeah, I wanted to ask you guys about the temporary layoff. I, I, work, I work for an employer. I work for an employer that has one of these temporary layoffs. Now, it's not so much as the fact that, you know, they they say we're going to temporarily lay you off and you don't know when you're coming back, but they give you sort of a pinpoint of saying you're going to be laid off, let's say, well, this year, like, for example, it was like December the 6th to January the 2nd. And then, of course, we were back at work in January the 2nd. And uh, this is the first time that's ever happened in all of my working years, so... I don't quite know which way to... Is that a UIC thing? So, I mean, that's that's a very, very good question. And, and let me tackle the, uh, the intention to recall because our courts have found that even if you're, you know, handed this letter that says, we love you, Michael, and we're going to temporarily lay you off, but on this exact date, at this exact time, you can come back, we'll welcome you back with open arms, that is still... 
not legal unless there's a history establishing that or a contract in place where you've agreed to that. So that's still a termination of employment, and you are still entitled to severance in that kind of situation. Yeah, I understand that. But, and, and, and the thing was, and I'd have to read my contract to see if I agreed to that or not. I can't remember. I don't know if they mentioned that after I signed or before I signed. But regardless of that, and it, 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 was an, it was emphatic that it was it, because their sales were slow during that time of the year that they'd been doing this for quite some time. And most of their employees just seem to accept the fact. But I don't know, is that, is that something that, that, that one can go to uh, UIC and say, and pick up that for that difference? Uh, you mean unemployment insurance? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so absolutely. I mean, any time that you've been laid off or terminated uh, when it's not your fault, um, so you haven't resigned or you haven't been terminated for cause, you are in most cases eligible for EI. Um, so that can cover you in that period of time where you're being laid off, but that's only ever 60% of your income, um, you know, up to a maximum as well, right. of course. So well, obviously you don't, you do not want to, you know, take them to court or, or, or whatever for severance because you know this job is coming back and to do so, it's just going to really, you know, like, it's not going to make them a very happy bunch. Yeah, no, and and I totally appreciate that that's the situation that, that most people are in. I think a lot of people are happy to kind of sit there and say, look, you know, rather than throw myself back into an unpredictable job market, if my if I'm getting my job back in 13 weeks, I'm just going to sit here and wait for it. I'm not going to I'm not going to pursue my severance. I, I want to stay with the job. Maybe you've been there for a long time or you particularly like it. But but the really important thing here is is that um, if you if you return to work, you've got to let them know that it is uh, you're not acquiescing, you're not condoning, you're not agreeing to future layoffs. Because if you just go back, then you are essentially accepting as a term of your employment that they can lay you off in the future. And the BC Employment Standards Act says that you can lay somebody off for 13 weeks in any 20-week period. So you can be laid off for 13 weeks, recalled for seven, and then laid off again. And if you've agreed to it by way of continually going back when you've been recalled, then you've got no recourse against them whatsoever except to collect EI in, in the period of time that you're off. Well, I appreciate your assistance. Thank you very much. You're welcome, Michael. Thank you, Michael. Appreciate that. Uh, moving forward, you need to uh, get a hold of Leah or anybody else in the firm, 604-283-3123. Again, 604-283-3123, VancouverEmploymentLawyers.ca. Online as well, and you have plenty of time to call and ask questions if you have them, 604-280-9898 or star 9898 on cell. Talking about negotiating severance on your own, this is good times when you don't know what you're doing. So... When an employee is let go and the employer offers severance, you'll get a letter, you'll get an amount on there, possibly. Is this the final offer? No, almost never, <laughs> actually. Um, most severance offers are framed from the perspective of the company trying to see what it can get away with. Mm -hmm. uh, that sounds very pessimistic, but it's true. Uh, and this is particularly true when there are a number of terminations. Very few companies are going to say, or, or they have the financial ability to say, okay, we're terminating 25 people, we're letting a department go, and we're going to give all of them their full entitlements. No, they presume that only a few people will know what their entitlements are 
or they'll contact a lawyer. They actively, a lot of companies, and this is so sad to say, but it's true, I see it all the time, they actively trade on the fact that most people, the vast majority of people don't know what they're entitled to, and so they'll just accept what's in front of them. Uh, and so they give everybody a mediocre offer. If, if half of them decide to accept it and move on, great. And for the other half that speak up, the company will almost invariably put some more money on the table. Because at the end of the day, giving the people who pursue more severance plus something for legal fees is ultimately going to be cheaper for the company than simply paying everyone their full entitlements to begin with. So in the vast majority of cases, the first offer is exactly that, a first offer, a, sh- a shot across the bow. Negotiations and counter offers are just a part of doing business. Most companies expect them, and, and a lot of companies I know, in- including my own employer clients, keep a lot of monies in the coffer uh, for that exact purpose, for the purpose of negotiation. Oh, they're really playing the odds. Like you said, if 20 people get lowered 25, there might be a handful at best who actually pursue it or at least stand up and say, no, no, you owe me your Most Most people on the, on the other side, unfortunately, it becomes not a matter of, and I know you deal with this on a daily basis, they come to you saying, how could they let me go? I was a good employee. I'm hurt. I'm shocked. It's an emotional thing as opposed to getting past that, as tough as that is, and looking to what you should have as far as a dollar amount. That's what they're preying on, your emotions, right? So you think, okay, I'll take this offer. i got to go get another job. Yeah, and termination letters are phrased in a way that capitalizes all, on that all the time as right. well. You know, a termination letter that says, you know, under the BC Employment Standards Act, we only owe you four weeks, but we're going to give you six. And like, <laughs> look at us. And if you sign on this piece of paper by 6 p.m. tonight, um, you know, you you can have those two extra weeks. But if you don't sign, those two extra weeks are going to go away. Uh, and, you know, and that opens up a whole other issue that we talk about all the time, too, which is with respect to deadlines. And, and those deadlines are, are meaningless and, and often just designed to put pressure on you. But but yeah, Yes, I mean, with with respect to with respect to severance, I mean, there is a there is a lot of playing the odds here. There's a lot of the company just kind of hoping and praying that you're never going to seek the advice uh, of a lawyer. And you know, to be fair, not every company is nefarious either. They're not mm-hmm. they're not behaving badly. They also don't know. And I would also encourage those employers to contact their own legal counsel to make sure that they are giving offers that are fair. Yeah, some some smaller companies now, or even bigger ones, I guess for that matter, don't have a sophisticated HR, uh, you know, branch. So it's like sometimes they don't know as well, right? No, no, and you know, this is you know a great opportunity to talk about the severance pay calculator because it's available for both employees and employers to use. It's a website and an app that very quickly and easily allows people to figure out what the range of their severance entitlements are. Uh, Severancepaycalculator.com. You can access it on your smartphone. You don't need to be terminated to access it. It's just you plug in a couple of pieces of information and then bada bing bada boom you've got your severance entitlements it's simple it's absolutely free there's no obligation just go and disappear there's a contact bottom at the uh, or the contact button at the bottom you want to get a hold of leah and the firm if not just walk away at least you have the knowledge in your head we'll uh, we'll take it from there take a short break more phone calls lines are wide open we'll get to you 604-280-9898 or star 9898 on your salty employment hour it's right here 980 cknw Plenty of time still to call in. You have questions for Leah, bring them on, 604-280-9898 or star 9898 on your cell. We were talking about negotiating severance on your own, Leah. Um, So how does a lawyer go about negotiating severance if you want to get one involved? 
you know, usually in a, in a way that's a lot more straightforward than, than people imagine. I think a lot of people think about hiring a lawyer as being a very antagonistic process, and, right. and it really doesn't have to be. And to be fair, I can't speak for every lawyer. I'm sure that there are some who, who do approach it by throwing the gauntlet down. Uh, but the way that, the way that I, I handle it and the way that my firm handles it um, is that, you know, we don't think it makes a lot of sense to just throw down the gauntlet and sue. Um, you know, because of what I said before the break in terms of companies expecting negotiations and counteroffers, most companies are going to be open to some amount of discussion and negotiation. I also think that as personal as a termination often feels, it is ultimately a business decision for the companies. And every employer's business is going to be motivated by the same thing, which is to say the bottom line. Companies don't want to spend a bunch of money on a defense lawyer when they know at the end of the day that they owe you more money. So not immediately suing gives the company the chance to keep their own legal fees down and remedy a situation that they very likely know is wrong. So what I do to sort of entreat these negotiations is I just send a letter. I send a letter that says, you know, these are all of the reasons why your severance offer is insufficient. Here's the law that supports that. And here's the first offer that my client will accept uh, in order to resolve their claim. I then typically give the company a week to respond, and then we negotiate from there. It's actually enormously straightforward. And I can say, you know, 80% easily of of the clients that I have settle without ever, ever having to commence litigation. Again, 604-280-9898 or star 9898 on your cell to call in. Ask Lee a question if you have one. Got uh, Gary on line. Hey, Gary, good afternoon. How are you? Hey, Johnny, Leah, how are you? Good, Good. How are what's you? going on with you, pal? Yeah, I was saying, I was in your office the other time, and I was just phoning you to say hi. Oh, hi, Gary. Yes. Yeah, a question about something I've, uh, I want to ask you. Um, if the employment agreement that I signed that we've talked about, yeah, um, if he takes off the health and health benefits that is supposed to be on there, is that a breach of that contract? Yes, yes. So if if your contract provides for something, your employer has said that they're going to give you X, and then they say that they're not going to give you X anymore, then that is a breach of that contract. I I can sense where you're going with this, which is to say, does that mean that the whole contract is is null and void? Um, And what I can say is that a lot of contracts have what's known as a severability provision in it. Uh, And that provision says that if, if any term or condition of, of this contract is found to be null and void or is breached in any way, that is simply just removed from the contract uh, and then uh, the rest of the contract stays in, in force. You generally can only pursue them for that breach rather than rendering the entire contract null and void. So how do you go and render that breach for if, if that's uh, occurred? So, so if they've promised you benefits and they're not providing you with benefits, then that's something that you can pursue through the Employment Standards Branch. An Employment Standards Officer can help you uh, to enforce a contract that you've agreed to, or it is something that I can help you with, Gary. I'd be happy to. Okay. But well, we'll talk offline then. Okay. Sounds good. Thank you. 
Appreciate that, Gary. Thank you very much. And just in case, 604-283-3123. But I'm sure you got that number on on speed dial, at least. It's good for Gary <laughs> to call in and bring that up. It's a question I'm sure you get all the time as well. Talking about negotiating severance on your own. So you talked about the basic steps that happen. It really is basic. It's not everyone's you know fearing court. They think it's going to be, you know, you can't handle the truth. It's not all about <laughs> that. It's a very simple process. Having said that, can an individual do this on their own? And how successful would they be? Yeah, so for, I mean, I have to say, I, I'm waiting for the opportunity to say you can't handle the truth or some sort of like courtroom drama but it it just I don't have the opportunity to because it's not that dramatic and this pains me because I I would love to be in court all the time but really employment law issues can be enormously straightforward and because it can be so basic and because it can be so straightforward an individual can do it on their own I know that a lot of individuals are actively discouraged uh, by other lawyers and you know by their family as well from doing so and sometimes with very good reason but individuals are perfectly able to negotiate packages on their own but will they be taken as seriously as if uh, they get some you know letterhead from a lawyer like yourself or the firm no no and and that's That's and and i think a lot of companies again you know they they play the odds they say you know this this guy's probably just throwing a hail mary to see if he's if we can put any other money on the table but if we say no if we tell this guy to go jump in a lake he's not going to pursue it any further if you hire a lawyer you're showing that you're serious um, and that also lights a fire under the company to really take a hard look at, at what they owe you 604-280-9898 or star 9898 on your cell to call in ask lee a question bring him on got till uh, close till five o'clock douglas good evening how are you Oh, I'm doing fine. Good, sir. What's up with you? Uh, my question is, I've been, I injured myself at work, and I've been on uh, WorkSafe for almost the last year, but mm-hmm. now I have no job to go back to. So am I entitled to any severance pay? Oh, Douglas, such a good question. So you've been getting income replacement through WCB for the last year? Yeah. Yeah. And then, so when did you uh, find out that you don't have a job to return to? Well, I found out for sure when uh, we did the workplace visit, that would have been about a month ago. Okay, so so yes, I mean, you're absolutely still entitled to severance. That That is the long and short of, of that answer. There may also be a human rights code component here because they also have a duty to accommodate you and to return you to work if you are able to return to work. But if you now know that there's no job there for you, uh, that you will never have a job to return to, then you are entitled to severance. Now, to the extent of the interplay between WCB and uh, specifically income replacement benefits and severance, you can't double dip. Right. So you can't get income replacement at the same time that you get severance. And that also holds true for EI. Right. Other things like that. Anything that's characterized as income, you can't get both of um, over for the same period of time. But, you know, unless I'm mistaken, most income replacement benefits, they don't cover 100 percent of your wages. I know that some do, but that's usually the the exception and not the rule. So, uh, you know, at the, the very worst case scenario is that you get severance, but the company will be entitled to a credit of the income replacement benefits that you're getting through WCB. So I would still end up with that money, though. I yes. would have to pay WCB uh, back? No, 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 not at all. So um, so I, do you know what percentage you're getting of your income through WCB? I do believe it was 75% for the first 10, and then it went down. 
Yeah. So so no. So let's say let's say your termination. You know, we'll just choose March fifteenth because that's roughly a month ago. So March fifteenth, you became entitled to severance. Um, and you know, we can discuss what that would look like. But you don't have to repay WCB. It's just that your company will be entitled to a credit of that income replacement. So if you were down to 50%, then the company only has to pay you 50% of your wages for the severance period. Now, how long were you working with the company, Douglas? Uh, 20 years. Okay, and what position were you in? I was a driver. A driver, and how old are you? 59. 59 years old. And tell me a little bit about this, this injury. Do you think you're gonna be able to get back into driving very easily, or are you looking at something else at this point? Well, w, WCB is willing to upgrade my license. Oh, that's so. helpful. That's good. Uh, but uh, you know, if you're you know you're 59 years old, you've been there for 20 years, and you know, unless you have a contract or an agreement that limits you to the minimum entitlements under the Employment Standards Act, Douglas, you're looking at about 20 to 22 months of severance. So you're looking at almost two years of severance. Very unlikely that WCB is going to be, uh, you know, replacing your income over that whole period of time. So please, I, I encourage you to give me a call off the air and we can make sure that we're getting you everything that you're entitled to here. Because uh, having worked 20 years, you've accrued and built up entitlements uh, and you should make sure that you're getting the, the full scope of that. I, I also went on the Labor Standards website and it said it's a maximum of eight weeks for severance. Yep. Yes, yes, and this is exactly what you know. We I try to cover in, in every show in some way or another because the Employment Standards Act it just sets out your minimum entitlements as an employee in this province. It's not your maximum entitlements. So if you're terminated as an employee in BC, you are guaranteed to at least get those eight weeks. But unless you have a contract that says, Douglas, you're not, if we terminate you, you're never going to get anything more than that. So you're only going to get what you're entitled to under the Employment Standards Act. You actually have entitlements under the common law. So if you want to look this up as well, you can Google common law severance, okay? Uh, common law entitlements, common law reasonable notice period. And that will tell you, as I'm telling you now, that you're actually entitled to closer to about a month per year of service. So it greatly exceeds your entitlements under the Employment Standards Act, um, and and you know you are as a, as a worker who's been there for twenty years entitled to that. Okay, but I was also off on uh, leave mm-hmm. due to a car accident. Does that make any difference? That was about two years ago. It, it does not. No, no, as long as you were on a leave. Um, you know, I, I spoke with an individual earlier who took a self-imposed leave. So he just left and never told the company. And I think that that can be construed as an abandonment of a job. But that's actually the first time I've ever heard of that situation. Um, in 99% of cases, when you're on a leave, sick leave, injury leave, uh, mat leave, anything like that, that still counts towards your years of service. And, and it there doesn't change your entitlements to severance at all. Douglas, you're asking excellent questions. And I cannot thank you enough for calling in. Oh, you're welcome. Uh, once I hang up, or well, you hang up, can I get your number? Yes, of course. Absolutely. 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 Give, me, give it to you right now, Douglas. Again, that number is 604-283-3123, 604-283-3123. And it is help at employmenthour.com to get a hold of Leah 
anytime. Great information there. We'll pick it up where we left off with your phone calls and negotiating severance on your own. Lots of time still for you to call in 604-280-9898 or star 9898 on cell. It's the Employment Hour, 980 CKNW. And still a few minutes to go here. Yeah, that number is still good for a few minutes, of course, and star 9898 on your cell phone as well. We were talking about before the break, uh, Leah, negotiating severance on your own. So is there a good time or when is it a good time to try to negotiate severance on your own? Uh, well, I mean, a good time would be, you know, as soon as as soon as it happens. Um, I think, you know, oh. the sooner that you have something like this figured out, uh, the better. Um, but, you know, in terms of when it's a good uh, idea to, um, I feel like it's a good idea if you're someone who has the company's ear. Um, you know, if you've been there for a long time and, and it's important for you to give the company a chance to negotiate with you first or, um, you know, that's really all that I can think of. Maybe if you just need to satisfy yourself that you've done everything yeah. you could before you hire a lawyer. And I know a lot of people are in, are in those shoes as well. The only word of caution I will give is that um, at least talk to a lawyer before you do so. You know, you don't you don't have to uh, hire a lawyer to, to speak with them necessarily. At least know what your entitlements are so that you're negotiating from an informed perspective and you're not painting yourself into a corner by saying you'll take six months when when really you're entitled to twelve. That that to me is the uh, yeah. is, is the worst case scenario. Grab a call quickly. Hey uh, Calvin, how are you? I'm great. How are you guys? Good. What's uh, what's going on with you today? Well, you know, I'm calling because the person you've got sitting in your studio there is an absolutely first-class lawyer. Oh, ah. thank you. I think I know who this is. <laughs> I recognize that voice. Thank you so much. That means a lot. Oh, you're welcome. I just wanted to say thank you so much, Leah. You did a, a fantastic job for me, and I can't say enough good things. So thank you so much. Oh, thank you. I, I really appreciate that. And everything's going well with you over there? You betcha. Good, good to hear that, and and everything with your wife as well. You betcha. You betcha. Good, excellent, excellent. And if you know, you know who to call if if anything uh, if anything else comes up. Thanks so much, Leah. You're welcome. Thanks for calling in. That means a lot. That is a nice call and not a plant. Completely, uh, we, we didn't plan that one. <laughs> no, that and you know what? Of, uh, you yeah. can also tell that that's not my mom. That's legitimate because my mom has said she's going to call in and say how wonderful I am uh, and pretend to be a, a client. But that that was clearly not my mother. So, Very cool. We're talking about negotiating severance on your own. So if you do involve a lawyer, and I know based on your last point before uh, before Calvin's call, and you say, yo, you can try it on your own, a lot of people will not do it. They're going to hold back and they're going to be afraid of burning bridges with the former employer. So they're not going to risk it. What do you think about that? Oh, that's it's such an extremely common concern, and I yeah. and I understand it. I mean, for most people, dealing with an employment lawyer is the first time they've ever dealt with a lawyer in their lives, and it, and it can feel like it's a big deal. Uh, it can feel really aggressive and like it's escalating the situation far beyond what is necessary. Um, and I understand why why it feels that way, but it's ultimately not reflective of the truth. Not. At all, um, you know. As I said before, the first offer of severance is the first offer. Negotiation mm-hmm. is expected, with or without a lawyer. Trying to negotiate your package will not come as a surprise, and nothing could make this more clear than the fact that most companies have lawyers on retainer for this very purpose to engage in negotiations on their behalf. It's entirely expected. So, and remember too that when you engage a lawyer, a company is probably also going to engage a lawyer. So the negotiations are going to be had solely between the lawyers. 
it's not with the company. So there's very little opportunity for things to get nasty or, or to result in a, in a burnt bridge. And I know you've mentioned before that with negotiations with you or with uh, within your firm, you know, you're, when you're dealing with a company, not only proper severance, but also within those negotiations is a, a nice letter of recommendation if often goes with it. So it's not a matter of burning bridges and yelling at each other across a table, right? No, and a letter of reference is almost always on the table. Um, no. You know, this is something that you can also ask for as well. But But another reason why I encourage you to at least speak with a lawyer, if not have the lawyer negotiate for you directly, is so that you know everything that you can and should be asking for. Now, you don't have a legal entitlement to a reference letter or to outplacement counseling or to things like that. But they are common pa- uh, common components of a severance package. So why not why not just ask for them uh, and and see see what you get? Um, you know, and in terms of the severance period, it's not just the amount of time that you want to negotiate. One of the biggest ways in which I see people leaving money on the table here is not just with respect to the length of service or the length of severance that they're entitled to, but also to the components of that severance, right? One of the biggest ones is bonus. Um, You know, I'll have somebody call me and they'll be a month shy from what their severance entitlements are. But, you know, once we dig in a little bit deeper and speak for a little bit longer, it comes up that they worked all of 2017. Bonus is usually payable at the end of April 2017, but they were let go and they were told that a bonus policy says that because they're not actively employed, they don't get paid that bonus. Wrong. You get that bonus and you don't just get the bonus that you've earned, you get the bonus throughout the notice period. So you get the opportunity uh, to, to be paid for the bonus that you could have earned over the notice period. And that sometimes can be 20, 30% of somebody's uh, salary. So that's a big thing to keep in mind as well are the various components. More great stuff for this week. We're going to wrap it for now. Got to uh, got to fly once again, but that number is 604-283-3123 to get a hold of Leah, member of the team. Email anytime, help at employmenthour.com, and you used it in your head. We made reference to it several times this show, as we do every week. Again, don't just go to the Ministry of Labor, severancepaycalculator.com. Find out exactly what you're owed and take it from there. Till next time, the Employment Hour, right here, 980 CKNW. The proceeding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW.